things we want to do is because of the size of our group here, we want to, I have some questions I'm going to ask most of our keynotes and then also giving you some opportunity to kind of do the same. If you guys have some questions for Matt, we want to take a little time to do that before we head into our first break, um, our first break today. So I, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking through listening to what you're talking about, Matt. And, and so I had some I had a couple of questions for you. Sure. The, fir sure. the first one I have is, like you said, you have a lot of stories. Um, if you guys have been following in uh, VR Church, if you've been following uh, anything from really any of us, at one point or another, most people have heard Alice's story. Sure. Right? And I love the story because it is collaborative, right? They're part of J-Post Church, part of uh, Jate's community, um, really ended up landing in our community, but after been baptism, the whole thing, right? The, so many of you had spent so much time pouring in your life. But just give me a couple more stories of people who've come into your community. You don't have to be really exact with names and stuff. Sure. But give us an idea of, because I think a lot of people, when they think of digital space, think of gaming ministry, they're thinking of like you on one side of a camera, how much life transformation could actually happen there? Sure. I think is one of people's, and it's like, do you guys have one story or do you have more than one story? So share with me a, just a story or two about somebody in any of your community, where they were, and, and how their life has been changed through what you're doing. Sure. I, I've got two off the top of my mind. Some people may already be familiar with this story. It was an individual by the name of Josh Hanback. And Josh Hanback was a great guy, stumbled into, again, I'm not sure which one of our streams, but ended up having a similar situation at Allison Palace where she would kind of becoming a part of multiple communities. She was connected with Lux. She was connected with my stream at God Squad, at God Squad Church. And, and he was just part of the community. And he had some health issues that sometimes made it challenging for him to go out and be social, different things like that. And so he really found a home online. He really found a place where he could belong. He ended up actually growing a pretty large TikTok audience of, I think, over 100,000 followers, something around there. And he was just connecting with people and through the inspiration of seeing these Christian ministries, he would also try and use his platform to share the gospel. And long story short, after finding a place to call home for, I remember him saying to me on a Discord call 101, man, this is like the first time I've really felt a place where I can belong and, and follow Jesus and grow my faith. He ended up actually passing away at a young age. And our communities got together and, and prayed for him and prayed for his family and this was the only place that he had, the only place that he had to connect, the only place where he had to find fellowship and grow in his faith and ask questions about the Bible and, and seek Jesus. I think there is just an assumption in our world today where people just automatically think, well, why doesn't just everyone like just go to a church? The reality is churches are not always accessible. The reality is there are rural areas where they're just not, there's physically not churches there. There's places in the world where there are not churches there, and there really is a crippling stigma for a lot of people that if I go here, I won't be welcome. Or I've, I've, I've been here, but I've, I'm not being acknowledged. That This church seems like it's for everyone else, but, but not for me. And people are finding, they're finding a home online with people. It doesn't mean that they don't need to be discipled and taught and, and, and grown in their faith, but some people have medical issues that they literally cannot come to your church. They just, they just can't do it. And the reality is that what was happening in Josh's life was he was finding community, finding fellowship, growing in his faith. And he was getting with us what he couldn't get somewhere else. 
The other person that comes to mind is a guy, actually, funny enough, I feel like there's a bunch of UK people I use, but they stick out because they're like from a different country. But yeah, that's fine. They have great accents. Yeah. <laughs> they do. Easier to remember people with oh, great yeah. accents, Scar. Yeah. An individual, was, his online name was Kaneki underscore. And he came into my stream several years ago, ended up be, being a part of God Squad Church with my wife pastors. And, and it was just a whole new experience for him. He had never been exposed to the gospel, never been to really a church in his life. And started coming in and learning about Jesus, made a decision to follow Christ, and we ran into a real logistical problem. That, hey, man, if there's no Christians around you, there's no church in your area in the UK that is actually sharing the gospel, not a church that any of us would recommend you go to to grow in your faith, how are we going to handle water baptism? How is this guy who does not have access to believers around him, a body of water, and followers of Jesus, like, how are we going to handle this water baptism. But he, as he began to learn and study the scriptures, understood that I got to get water baptized. It's the next step. And he was so hungry for God, so in love with Jesus, that he said, hey, what if, what if we live streamed a, 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 a baptism? The Holy Spirit will be here. You guys are making this public so we can make a public declaration. The Holy Spirit is omnipresent, so he'll be there. And I've got a desire to share my testimony and faith. I don't have anyone here physically with me, and I don't have a body of water. He didn't have a bathtub. He only had a shower in his home. So he said, what if I cleaned out my trash receptacle and filled it with water? And what if I got in it? And what if I was baptized in there while the world watched and my pastors prayed over me? Let me tell you, friends, if people are crazy enough to clean out their trash receptacle, Fill it with water. And by the way, we did this baptism 7.30 our time, which for him was like 1 o'clock in the morning, in the fall, cold outside, in UK. People are either literally out of their minds or their life has been truly transformed by the power of the gospel. Mm -hmm. It's only one or the other. And for him, it was being introduced to Jesus. People having real life impact and real life change. Yeah, no, that's really, that's great. Josh, part of our community, and we have also, we have, was part of our community, and we also have a lot of, um, you know, those similar stories of people who's like, man, it, it, it's not just their digital space, right? Like, uh, if you pastor a physical church, anybody here pastors a physical church, you're pastoring in a physical church right now. Got lots, okay, got lots of people who are pastoring in a physical church, right? You get up on a, on a Sunday morning, and you hope that after people hear your sermon, they don't go home Sunday afternoon and act like a tool on Facebook, right? <laughs> true, um, very true. So you hope that your <laughs> physical presence with them will transform their digital experience as well. Um, and it's the same exact thing, right? We're seeing um, digital experience um, with, with streamers, creators, and churches, right? Um, we're seeing transformation happen in their physical life as well, right? They're being baptized, they're beginning to share the gospel, they're bringing, you know, all of these sorts of things. Um, and we're gonna have a lot more stories about that over the course of the next couple of days as pretty much every person who will be part of panels or keynotes sure. have had some level or experience um, or breakouts of seeing life transformation happen. And that was the thing that was like, that was the thing that's, so just tell me about this. like you. Nine years ago, right, you start going live. What was the thing that it, Matt, that snapped it into place for you that was just like, oh, dang. Oh, hold up. Like, this is, there's something bigger here than me playing video games. I'm not just playing video games here. I'm actually impacting people's lives in a way that is akin to what I'm doing in my day-to-day -day job in physical ministry. What was that moment for you that just like sort of brought everything into focus? Yeah, so I started sharing earlier about how I felt God called me to impact gamers, and I started looking up, you know, different gaming communities, how many people are out there, but I also started looking up like what's a real tangible way that we can do that. 
And that was when I started looking up like ways to connect with gamers. I'd never even heard of Twitch at the time. Stumbled on Twitch, saw a guy by the name of Summit1G. Some of you might know him. He used to be a Counter-Strike professional. And he had 25,000 viewers. And back then, that was like unheard of. And honestly, I didn't actually understand what I was watching. I thought I was watching a bunch of people in the live chat, like watching a YouTube video together. I was like, oh, this is cool. So instead of like sitting alone and watching a video, like they're watching it together and talking about it. And then somebody asked a question. I was like, oh, dude, they're even like connecting and asking questions. And then the live streamer answered the question. And my mind was blown. And I immediately knew that this is a solution in how we get the gospel to people who don't leave their house. This is how we communicate with these people. So I went to my wife and I was like, hey, hon, can I go buy an Xbox with an Xbox Connect, which is a horrible 40p camera. Some of y'all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Trash quality. Like, you don't want to stream your live services for church on an Xbox Connect, all right? People are not, these people are not going to watch. And I started live streaming. And I remember one of my first, maybe not first viewers, but first people to just talk in the chat. His name was XOXO Satan. I know, for real. And he, That's hugs and kisses for those who don't know. <laughs> hugs and kisses hugs for Satan. And, kisses, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he came in the chat, and they, I didn't know anyone was watching, so I would just literally be talking about random things, hoping that someone would join and then not join for silence. I'd be actually talking about something so they could sit and watch. And so I was just like talking about how my day was and sharing about my faith, and, and he just types in the chat, because my name was Pastor Susie, and my, my, uh, my title would always be like a pastor playing Halo. And he came in, and he just said, I just got off the phone with, the devil, and he says, God's not real. And we just started having, like, real conversation. He was the first person I ever, like, talked to while live streaming, and we just had a real back and forth, just great, gentle, kind, truthful conversation about what I believed, he believed, and no, he didn't get on his knees and repent of his sins, but what he said at the end of that conversation was like, hey, man, I've got to go, but I just want to say thanks for a good conversation. This is the most positive interaction I've ever had with a Christian. And at that moment, it clicked for me. I was like, and not every person, even in your churches, are just going to give their lives to follow Jesus right away, or even ever. But you, you might be the only version of Jesus they ever get to talk to. And at that moment, I was like, there is three billion of you that no one is connecting with. And if no one else will do it, I will. I love that. I love that. I love that heart and, and that moment of like, because it wasn't just like... Uh, Oh, I saw how big this person was on Twitch, and I saw an opportunity for me to build platform there. It was a relationship that began that snapped everything into focus, right? It was this back and forth. A lot of people who, you know, I come from, we both come from church world, me more recently than you, but um, the, I know that it, especially like in COVID, right? We're in, everyone's going online, right? All, everyone who theologically thought we can't do the internet started doing the internet as yeah. well, right? And well, so, it used to be of the devil, now it was of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't stream, yeah. The Lord has redeemed a couple of platforms. On, uh, March 15th of 2020. Um, <laughs> Lord, suddenly the Lord is active and at work. Um, uh, but, but then we, we do have a lot in which, right, that the mentality became like, let's get a camera in the back of the room like this one, right? And um, let's broadcast what we're doing. Sure. Then everything began to sort of like let up. States began to open up. Pennsylvania being 
one of the latter ones, which is where I'm from, right? And then the, the, the call of the, of the local church had begun like, hey, we need to get back everybody in the room. Let's get everybody back in the church. And I've talked to all sizes of churches, right? I've talked to churches with 100 people. I talked with a multi-campus 13,000 member church in California. The goal is unanimous across the board. We know how to do ministry once people are in the building. Let's get them back in the building. And I think the overwhelming feeling of that is that these digital relationships, these digital experiences, right, they're not real sure. or they're invalid in some capacity that the impact that it might be having on somebody's life is an invalid impact. I can't high five, I can't shake hands, or you can't put people through the systems that we've established, right? And just heads up, like as church system builder through and through, that's how my brain works. I'm not ragging on it. I'm not, you know, I, I was the assimilation pastor for my church, right? And so, which literally sounds like a scene from Red Dawn, by the way, just as a heads up, <laughs> right? Like, that's, I thought, I thought it like, uh, well, <laughs> Yeah, you ever have those church words that then uh, the non-believer does actually come to your church one time? You're like, hello, I'm the assimilation pastor. And you're like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> what did I just say out loud, right? And they're like, oh, it's, it's so good in staff meeting. Um, so uh, let's, just, let's just chat for a moment about the validity of these digital relationships. And then talk a little bit as well about... Right, a lot in church world right now is if you could crack the code for engagement online, mm. right? That goes beyond your host saying hello and two other people saying what state they're from. Sure. sure. Um, in your church live stream <laughs> that you figured it out. And my my biggest, and I'll do this during my breakout. My biggest frustration is that the code has been cracked. Uh. It just hasn't been cracked at any church service. Um, you can go to Twitch any day. It's been cracked there for years. You want to figure out engagement, go there. Don't go Absolutely. to a church. No church has figured it out. So talk a little bit about how Twitch is different than the average maybe church's live stream and why you see these relationships as being valid and real and not just you know, false, false things. Sure, absolutely. I know they're going to touch on this a little bit more in detail uh, in one of the panels, but a few examples for me is I, just, I think there's just this concept that humans are brought together simply by their ability to do this. Mm. That's one thing. That's great. Love being able to hug and shake hands with a brother or sister, whatever it might be. But the reality is what really, really connects us is, is our hearts, is our common interests, is our relational, is our intimacy, is our conversation. And the reality is that all of those things can be happening even if you're not in the same room as someone. And I'll prove it to you. You've probably FaceTime a loved one who you don't live near. And you felt connected. You were able to have a real intimate conversation to catch up with them and hear how they're doing. And I know that some people might push back and be like, yeah, but that relationship started in person. It wouldn't be the same if we had never. But the reality is, especially in today's world where, I mean, Zoom calls are happening left and right. Discord video calls are happening left and right. People are online. They're actually finding people that they're actually able to connect with on a, on a, on a real emotional level. They're oftentimes starting with a common interest where they, man, I feel like I've got more, I hear it all the time, I feel like I'm actually closer to my online friends than my physical mm -hmm. friends because I hang out with the people in person because like, they're who's there, you know, like, but my online friends, you can be a lot more selective, one, because a large group of people, but you can really find like your niche of people and there are stories literally of people finding relationships and getting married and, and obviously when they get married, now they're, they're in person together and, and people are forming real friendships. There are people literally in this room that we have connected online and we're getting to hang out for the first time. And it's crazy, you, you probably won't be able to relate unless you've experienced it. When you finally meet in person, it's like, I feel like we've just known each other all along. 
Mm. Because we've built those bonds. We've had those relationships. And so those relationships are real. They do take intentionality. They take time. But just like any physical relationship, over time they grow into a real intimate closeness that absolutely is valid even if you've never met in person. Absolutely. Uh, I love that. Literally the first time I met one of our elders, Corey or Doc, um, was the day he got off the plane in Pittsburgh and to fly with me to Africa the following day. Wow. Um, and I'd never met him in person before, but we had been in ministry together for the past two years, and we just picked right up. It was like, hey, man, what's up? He jumped in the car. He went to my house. Next day, we got on a plane and went to Africa. Um, and, and we're just in the thick of some of the most intense physical ministry I've ever been a part of, yeah. right? And we were just in the thick of it together in that. So talk a little bit about what is what is the... What's the difference? Because you obviously you've seen a lot of church live streams before, yep. right? And I'm sure there's been no small part of you that has just been, stop it, right? I've been there. That's just stop. Um, and so uh, talk a little bit about why it is that you feel like Twitch has cracked the engagement barrier and why it is that the church hasn't figured that out. I think the biggest missing component is relationship and relational connection. I have a lot of conversations with people that have been tasked by their lead pastor to start an online campus or to do something online. Hey, we want to start our church live streaming. We just spent 75K on cameras and all this kind of good stuff. And, uh, you know, and, and, they, and sometimes they come in like, yeah, that was all we needed. But if you got like one or two more things for me, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, you could throw a phone in the background with these tips to be more effective. You know what I mean? And so the, the missing component is, first of all, literally what we just covered, the understanding that re- online relationships do matter. The first piece of advice I give to people when they're looking to start live streams at churches, my first thing I say to them is start and maintain an authentic relationship with someone online that you've never met in real life. Because until you believe that it's real, you can't encourage your people to do it. I see, I see it all the time in churches. People who don't believe that online relationships can actually be real and fostered and then they get up in front of the camera, hey, welcome to the family. Be a part of the church. You're welcome. We can give you a home, except it's not as good as the people that are here. It's just not the same. And this, this is instant disconnect. And sometimes that's created because there is a barrier created by the physical, which is very valuable, but there's a lot of things that can be done to offset that to create that connection. A lot of it is real live engagement. Sticking a camera in the background so that people can watch what you're doing here in a lot of ways just creates FOMO, which means fear of missing out. It's just watching this thing that you are not at, but all of us real Christians are, right? And of course, there are right and wrong reasons why someone should not physically come to church. Like some people just got to get out of their PJs and just come to church, right? There's a lot of reasons that that can be taken advantage of for sure, but the real relational part of it isn't being used. And I talked about earlier, like this idea of needing to adjust and change our, our methods. The method right now is just stick a camera in the back of the room. But the reason that Twitch is so successful is it's real-time actual engagement. A lot of it, in my opinion, is my favorite because we didn't just show up with a plan and some questions and a thing that I'm going to do when you watch. It's like, hey, man, let's just create an atmosphere. I love what you guys do at Lux, man, the couch. They just, We're going to have a couch on stage. Yeah, yeah, one of the things they do with the services, that was why it's so effective, Mark and normally his wife and a few others, they just literally sit on a couch and they read the chat and people are talking. It's the closest thing they can get to actually being in the living room on another couch. 
And there's real engagement, real conversation. And I haven't really seen this from churches where there's just like this kind of feeling of one-on-one. We're all hanging out in the living room. Let's really have great questions or great conversations. It's normally just this highly produced, which even social media experts will say today, like people are moving away from the over highly produced. People want TikToks on their phone just in a room without this big studio because people are, they're craving authenticity. Mm. They're craving real relationship. And we have to get past the stigma that says it cannot be achieved through the camera. It can't be achieved only with a camera. But when you use a camera to have real life connection, answering questions, meeting needs, welcoming people, learning their name, when they come back, they're not just another person from the two people that put their states in chat. And churches really need to, in my opinion, like they need to add value through the live streams. They need to find ways, like, hey, on a Tuesday morning, how do we just sit our how do we sit our pastor down who we know is busy for one hour and let people ask him any questions they want that they've been struggling with their faith? One hour of time, but massive value. The ROI on that one hour, the return on investment would be astronomical because everyone wants to have to ask their pastor a question. But you know, after he gets off stage, you're probably ain't gonna get a chance to talk to him. <laughs> because he's being bombarded. You ain't gonna get a chance to talk to him on stage. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You can't, <laughs> you can't raise your hand during the sermon, but people have questions. But nobody's giving them answers outside of their small group, which is super valuable and super healthy. Keep doing it. I love small groups. You guys do it. We do it. They're fantastic. But people are looking, they're looking for the connection, man. What I, love, what I love about what you shared there was when we come from church world, the question is how excellent can we get it? Sure. And what you're asking is how authentic can we get it, yep. right? Like I'm having better engagement with people with an Xbox Connect than what you're going to have with a $25,000 cinema camera sitting in the back of your room. Yeah. Um, and so you can throw all the money, and I talk to people about this a lot when it comes to thinking about digital church. It is not a financial commitment. It is a time investment. Absolutely. Right? That's what you're going to be looking at because you're doing relational ministry. I don't want to steal my entire breakout. So I'm just not going to give the whole thing right now. But we, I want to move. I, want to, I just want to open up. We have like 10 minutes to maybe if, if anybody has a question or something you want to ask Matt. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me repeat that so anybody who's watching sure, can hear sure. it, right? So the question was, I was once a World of Warcraft vanilla player addict, got away from it, broke away from it. By the way, brother, I can relate. I burnt my burning crusade CDs in a fire outside my house to break free, okay? So <laughs> I understand. Came flying out, you know just I mean? a heads up. If you go back now, it's trash, so don't worry. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, uh, feels real bad. Um, uh, so how, so just, just talk to that because you're in the video game world, you're gaming, but there's a very strong reality that digitally exclusive relationships and gaming addiction is a very real threat to people's well-being, yep. mental health, relationships, all that stuff. Stuff. Just chat about that for a moment. So first, I'll start with saying the answer for some people is they shouldn't come back and play, right? Some people, I mean, everyone is different, right? So when there's a certain level of addiction, some people, as long as the addiction you have is not to something sinful, sometimes it can be removed. Sometimes it can be redeemed. Like I can come back to this and use it for good. But for some people, they should just stay away. But what about the people who you could come back and it wouldn't take over your life? I think, I think there's a few things. I think people need to be equipped with the tools and not let, not let that happen. 
right? So that goes back to the authentic connection where there's like discipleship and real relationship going on and being aware, like the sheep knows the shepherd. So if there's someone in your community that you're aware, like, that I really am seeing this addiction, like coming back in you, you might need to have that conversation. Like this might not be healthy for you. You might want to explore some boundaries and things like that. But I think a big part of it is, is I mean, culture is everything. Creating culture where you're just actively sharing your values and your mission on a healthy way to approach all of gaming. So like, I'll be honest, for me in my life, I've had unhealthy relationships with video games. I've had unhealthy relationships with working too much that have caused harm to me and my marriage and my family. And I've had to discipleship, change my ways, go a different direction. And, and that took real practical steps of me changing and growing, but I had to learn the tools on how to do that. So even through my broadcast, I'm constantly avidly sharing these values I want people to know. I'm very open on my live streams about, hey guys, like I won't be on Discord tonight because tonight I'm having date night with my wife. I'm not answering DMs. I'm not, I'm not talking to any of y'all. <laughs> I'm sharing values about healthy approaches to work, right? Find that balance between being lazy and unproductive, but being a workaholic that works all the time and doesn't trust God for the results, right? Like there's a, there's a healthy balance. And the reality is the beauty of this whole live streaming thing is a word you probably have heard, influencers. When people are spending hours out of their day listening to you talk, what is in you gets in them. And so you're sharing these healthy approaches. You're having honest conversations, not pretending like these addictions aren't real, not pretending like the problems of the world aren't real. The worst thing churches can do is not talk about real problems real people face. And so talking about them, getting out in front of them, and, and continuously sharing culture of how was a healthy approach to doing this, sometimes I don't even need to say you should play less video games because I might not even be aware of, I don't know how many hours every single person I know plays, but it's, sometimes it's about them being, they, just, they start learning and they're being influenced and like, man, you know, this principle of date night, I've never even, never even heard of that before. I have tons of people in my community who have started doing date night. And, these, and a lot of these people, some of them aren't even Christian. But they're like, that just sounds like good advice. You know, like, focusing on my marriage, man. Turns out the Bible has a whole bunch of advice for That's what I tell people it. all the yeah. time, man. Most of it's really good. Yeah, yeah, it's all really good. Yeah, you'd go follow it. Absolutely. Just people should follow it, yeah. So I think just like with any church, any leadership, being intentional to continuously repeat culture, values, so that you can get what's in you inside of them. And people just over time begin to learn, I have a problem. And then, of course, it's up to them if they want to do something about it or not. Awesome. Thanks for that question. Anybody yeah, else? Question. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, look at the... Yeah. Okay, it is working. Okay, there we go. I was like, wake up microphone. Anyway, so... <laughs> wake up mic. Anyway, so... Something that I've been thinking about a lot, especially since 2020, and I don't want to diminish what you're doing. I think what you're doing is incredible, and it... You know, we're all, you know, a big part of why we're here is because we do need to work on our digital space ministries and all of that. But I do think the other side of the coin, and like I said, this is something that I wrestle with, so I'm probably playing a little bit of devil's advocate here, sure. is we've seen since COVID the, uh, this massive increase in mental illness because people were extremely isolated. They weren't allowed to go out and be social, whether that's go to church or go to conventions or 
the bar or wherever their social, their in-person social circle is, and people have really come to value those in-person relationships. So how do you address that and what you're doing? You talked a bit about it with, you know, you know people, whether or not people should go to physical church or not, depending on their location and sure. ability and all that. I'm curious to hear what you have to say on that. Yeah, that's a fantastic question. I think one of the reasons COVID was so damaging to the world is it took something from people that they really depended on. And that's absolutely incredible. When it comes to people, especially within nerd culture, and I'll be honest, maybe we can talk on this some other time, but I actually sometimes struggle to really see, because people ask me, how can we replicate what you're doing in our church? And sometimes I struggle, because I'm like, I don't, I don't know if there's a one-to-one ratio because my people live on the internet, their friends are on the internet, they do life on the internet. Your people don't. Like it's, for them, it's adding like some third-party tool that I gotta learn a new thing and then, you know. So it's, it's, not a, it's, it's difficult to make a one-to-one correlation. But COVID was so challenging for people because it took away something that they depended on so deeply. I'll be honest, and I don't wanna make light of COVID. COVID was absolutely detrimental to the world. COVID didn't change my life in like literally any way, right? It, it, didn't, it didn't change my income, didn't change my, my relationships, didn't change my friendships, because everything I do, almost everything I do, is entirely online, and I find a lot of fulfillment in the relationship. And honestly, there's some real practicality of it. My wife and I don't have any children, but I can imagine many of you, when you're putting your kids to bed at 8, 8.30, uh, and you're in your 30s, you don't want to leave the house and go hang out with your friends. I'm in my 30s, uh, you know, somebody, somebody on time. Amen. About. Amen. But Get them to bed. But, Get him to bed. <laughs> but the benefit of these online connections is, man, at 9.30 at night, I can hop onto a Discord call and talk to my friends. Mm. And so really, it, it really comes down to the individual. Not everybody is fulfilled through online relationships. Some people are like, this is just not, this doesn't work for me. It's not a matter of like, I don't wanna learn a tool. It's a matter of, to me, they're not the same. They didn't grow up doing it. It's a different way of life. And so if you try to take someone that doesn't really use online spaces, has never connected that way, it is gonna feel very unfulfilling to them. And so for those people, they, they should make sure that they're making a priority to have those in-person relationships. I believe online church is a valid expression of the body of Christ. It is not for everybody, not at all. And so for those where COVID took something for them, now they got it back. That was so refreshing because the only way that they know how to human was then restored. But for people where they have learned the skills and it's become normal for them to connect online, it is fulfilling, it is healthy. And so, but I think my biggest thing I'd say is just, it's not for everyone and people need to figure out it's for them. And if it's not, that's totally fine too. We're gonna have a question over here. I wanna tap on that just a little bit really quick. Um, generationally, we think about digital space differently. And so in many cases, when you get into a room like this, you, you begin to have a really dualistic view. It's either all online or all in person. And that's the only way you can think. Gamers are multifaceted. They have in-person friends, they have online friends. Correct. They bleed seamlessly between digital and physical worlds. And the generations coming bleed seamlessly between digital and physical worlds. And so like for my wife and I, we really, um, we really do our best to show that we have three or four really key physical relationships that are in our life. We don't apologize for having physical friends just because we live a, lead a digital expression of a church. Sure, of course. And so, and, and we encourage every one of our people, digital only relation, digital only lifestyles are unhealthy and COVID showed us how unhealthy they can be. Absolutely. And many people who live them daily, who are digital natives, are unhealthy. 
And so a, a portion of what we do is literally, hey, we're a digital church. We're glad that you're experiencing faith here and now. We're glad that you're with us. We think that your faith community can exist entirely in digital space, but you do need physical relationships. Absolutely. Like you do need to begin restoring relationships with family members. You do need to have local friendships. Like you do need to be doing life with people as well. And so uh, it's, it's not an either or. And that's why meetups are so great. Like, yeah. It's even, like this. Yeah, even our church, like not even just Collins, but our church has done like regular just in-person get-togethers where people literally fly from different parts of the country. They connect, they'll drive. And because it is, I'm not going to lie and be like, it's the same, right? It's, it's very different. Even mm. just like literally biologically, infants are not touched physically during the first years of their life, like at least a lot of problems and implications. We were created on some element to be able to, to do this. And I think that's really great to point out. It's, it doesn't have to be one or the other. A lot of people... They need a good mix, otherwise there is a level of unfulfillment, for sure. Yeah. Let's grab this question here. We'll just be the last one for the session. All right. Uh, I had a, just a question more about logistics, um, which is a good point about both and coming back directly from BlizzCon to this. BlizzCon! Uh, <laughs> my new favorite person. <laughs> the, five, the five Overwatch players still are happy. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Great. On, great. on that note, though, uh, looking at kind of your your systems uh, for your church and how they work on the streaming platforms, specifically Twitch, with kind of a decline in year-over-year -year viewership on Twitch, not for you specifically, but Twitch as a platform, how do you make a decision on what platform to be on and invest in, and then how do you make a decision to diversify platforms or jump from that platform to another? Oh, you talking about multi-streaming? Yeah. Hey, mind if I talk about that? <laughs> so what I have loved, again, back to it, right? The mission is the same, but the method changes. Even when we're just talking about live streaming, technology, as it's changed, we've adapted. Platforms, as it's changed, we have to adapt. And for those that don't know, Twitch has had the monopoly on the live streaming gaming side of the world forever now. And now there's some competitors coming on the scene, right? YouTube is like kind of a competitor, Facebook wishes it was a competitor. And did they shut um, that down? <laughs> I, think, I think they're just sell it to somebody else. <laughs> but there is a, there's a new, there's a new, new man in town, right? called kick.com. And so for a lot of people, when they're kind of gauging like, should I stream here? Should I stream there? It very much is like a case by case scenario. There's so many variables that go in. It, like, for example, I, I recently changed platforms, but now I can go back and forth and multi-stream because the rules have changed. But for me, when I literally made the decision you're talking about, about the concept of changing platforms or multi-streaming, I had to look at myself and be like, one, let me look at the two companies, right? Which, which direction do I feel like I believe in more? Which company has not necessarily earned my friendship, because they're not our friends, they're obviously for profit, but have earned my trust in terms of like, I like where you're going and I'm ready to, I'm ready to go with you. I believe in the future of this company. You gotta look at the company, you gotta look at their values, gotta look at how it aligns with maybe your theological beliefs. And then you also have to look very strongly at like, how will this affect my community? Because not everyone will agree on the decision that I'm making. Is it gonna be a new, a new good home for me and my community? So it is, it is a massive, massive shift. It was a little bit easier for me because I've gotten established uh, following of over 22,000 followers on Twitch. So I was actually able to move to Kick, and actually I get more viewers now when I stream on Kick than when I streamed on Twitch. But it is a question you have to wrestle with and really think about, like, how does this affect not just my short-term but my long-term? But multi-streaming is a whole massive, massive topic that I'll get into briefly. Uh, I don't think multi-streaming is for everybody. I don't think it's for everyone, at least maybe not right now. I think multi-streaming is the future for some, 
not the future of everybody. There are some basic tools in which you can use to stream, and multi-streaming, for those that know, is being on multiple platforms, like, but at the same time. So I'm live on Twitch, I'm live on Kick, live on YouTube, which means now there are multiple chats going on, and there needs to be an authentic connection with people on every platform. So tools that like put all your chat in one window, super helpful. So you're not like trying to juggle three different windows and now I need 17 monitors and I work at NASA and like, you know, just all this kind of crazy <laughs> stuff. So like you need, you need tools that will give you one seamless chat. There's a tool that I use that actually puts the chat on the screen, which now it's like kind of against the rules on Twitch. So that kind of gets gray. But when I was doing it on kick, I can put the tool on, on the screen and no matter what platform you're on, it shows your name and the icon which you're watching. So then everyone kind of gets to see, because the cool part about live streaming is you really feel like you're like part of the conversation, even if you have nothing to do with it. I get to see what the sender writes, and then I get to hear what the broadcaster responds. But across multiple platforms, you have to be intentional to have tools that will either show them on screen, or one thing that I do verbally, and I'm still kind of practicing it, it's all new, is I'll read something like, hey, Josh47 on YouTube says, and I'll read the comment, and then now everyone is like, okay, I'm aware of the context. And then I'll answer it, and there's a connection. And, but you have to find intentional ways to bring people together. So the beautiful part about what I do, I'm very focused on World of Warcraft, come on, somebody. And all of my Discord is about people playing World of Warcraft together. So what's really cool is I've created a cohesion between the different platforms, where no matter which one I'm on, people... They see the name on screen, they hear the name I'm talking to, and then later that night, there's this invitation, there's an equality of the platform. So I'm not on TikTok being like, hey guys, you're on TikTok, but you should leave TikTok because your platform sucks and come to Twitch when we're better over here, purple's better than green. And then now there's just like division. People are like, oh, well, they don't really want me over here, but I don't want to go there, so I guess I just won't watch it all. But when there's just equality across all the platforms, when, I get, when there's a hype moment, you'll put the GGs in the chat across all platforms and people get hyped and then they see this like cohesion and people are like, dude, there's people, we're just everywhere. We're just a wow community, World of Warcraft, everywhere. And then they get in Discord, which is a place where people can come in, like, voice chat and play together. And they're like, hey, I saw you watching on, are you the guy that watches Susie on TikTok? They're like, yeah, yeah, I watch on Twitch. Yeah, it's cool, man. Let's play as well. And they just, they connect. And so you have to be incredibly intentional to acknowledge multiple chats at the same time, which is its own skill set. Intentional with your, your verbiage and terminology to bring a cohesion. And then, in my opinion, if you're going to multi-stream, you need something that actually brings them together, because then it doesn't feel like one big community. It feels like five small communities that when the streamer ends, we all just disperse, rather than creating a place that they can all come and be together, regardless of if the streamer is around or not. It's there's, a big project. There's like 90 other things, I just like so many questions oh, yeah. about a digital million. community, putting up digital walls, building a digital home, all yeah, of those yeah, sorts yeah. of things that are in that and, and that you should talk to Matt about. Also, GSC, I think you guys are on multi-platform already, right? So if you're wondering, like, what does that look like, digital church expression and multi-platform, talk to them at Lux or not. Um, and, I, and if you're asking, if you're thinking from a church perspective, I would just say, like, you need to understand and study the culture the same as you would understand and study the culture of any mission field. And so uh, in order to go and like, if the question is, how do I take my church service and then put that on Twitch? It's the wrong question. There's lots of very large churches who went right. on Twitch who aren't on Twitch because um, Twitch knows and these cultures know, Kick knows, they know immediately if you're there for them. Yeah. Immediately they know if they're there for them by the cameras that you use, the angles that you get, the mics that you use, the attention to the chat, 
immediately. So really large churches absolutely flop on platforms like Twitch and on Kick because yeah, they don't understand the culture. It's like saying, I'm going to plant a church for Africans and I'm going to put that church in, in, uh, in Cambodia. Like nobody from Africa can get there. Right. It just doesn't make any sense. And if they did, they wouldn't want to stay. Yeah, exactly. It's just not for them. Right. And so if you're here and you're a church leader and you're like, oh, man, yeah, let's see if we can't get our church service over on Twitch. And like the, just we're going to hopefully throughout this, you'll be asking different questions because the question should transform over the course of the next couple of days.